Hi, this is Corinne Coger of the Coger Law Firm, and you're listening to the Million Dollar Mind Podcast. What's going on, millionaires? You're listening to the Million Dollar Mind Podcast, episode 132 on the fallacies of branding and protecting your brand. What's up, millionaires? My name is Corinne Coger of the Coger Law Firm. I am known for having a firm that supports and protects entrepreneurs and small business owners, as well as e-commerce owners. On today's episode, we are going to discuss how to proactively protect your business and your brand. We are going to discuss business formation, trademarks, and copyrights. Stay tuned with us so you don't miss a beat. So welcome back to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, the number one passion and attraction podcast in the world. Of course, that's thanks to each and every one of you millionaires who tune in with us week in, week out. This is the only place for tips and tricks on identifying your passions and attracting opportunities to make a living while living your dreams. Today, we have Corinne Coger of the Coger Law Firm. And I'm super excited to, you know, to have Corinne as a guest on the show because You know, I've even just from following her social media journey and, you know, checking out some of her videos, I realized that I didn't even have nearly as many of the answers as far as branding and, you know, just protecting my brand as I thought. So Corinne is the Entrepreneur's Legal Lounge, a.k.a. the Koger Law Firm, as I mentioned. She's also a branding and trademark specialist. And fun fact, she enjoys crocheting. So tell us a little bit about, you know, Corinne, about your experiences that really molded you into the person that is sitting here with us today? Okay, I guess I will take it back to high school. I grew up outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, for those who are familiar in the Sheltonham Township, and I was always interested in media. I always worked on the newspaper, um, had internships at the local newspaper, which is the Philadelphia Inquirer, and then I proceeded to Hampton University as a mass media major again, participating in everything. So there was the radio station WHOV, where I ran operations and promotions. I worked in the newspaper. I worked on production for the sports, um, uh, I guess that basketball and football for the school. And then I went to Howard University School of Law, initially with the intention of becoming an entertainment attorney. However, that did not happen right after law school. Uh, After law school, I graduated in 2002. Uh, So right after 9-11 and jobs were scarce, and you kind of had to take what you got at that moment. So Mm -hmm. coming straight out of law school, I was into litigation. I was a criminal defense attorney for the state of Jersey Public Defender's Office for almost eight years. And then afterwards, I went into civil litigation, uh, working for insurance companies and uh, firms that represented big box businesses such as Walmart. So my entire experience before opening this law firm was litigation. So I was the courtroom lawyer that you kind of sort of see on TV, um, performing depositions, uh, uh, speaking at hearings, and actually trying cases. Uh, But that was not my passion. I got burnt out. I always still had the passion for for media. And I wanted to figure out how I could help small business owners um, combine uh, what they were doing and the legal process. So I took a leap of faith, opened the Coger Law Firm with the intention on helping small business owners entrepreneurs, e-commerce sellers, uh, get their get their businesses legally together, uh, protected with their trademarks and their copyrights, and also with the intention of, number one, being proactive about protecting their brands, and number two, being able to be in a place that when somebody stole for them, stole, stole your social media posts or stole something that you wrote or stole your your photos you are already protected and then you can stop them Mm. 
Wow. Wow. And that that's um that's a pretty big why. And then I can see how, you know, out of all your experiences, how you end up using that why and um finding some way to give back and really boost and help others, you know, from making certain mistakes. Cause I'm sure you've probably seen from your years of experience, you know, people not being protected and, you know, having to go through these different uh loopholes and, you know, hoops and hurdles to, you know make up for the mistakes that they've made. Uh, I guess, you know, with you having a very similar experience as most people, right. Going to, you know, uh, uh, school to, with the intent of doing one thing and it not necessarily working out in that favor and doing something slightly different or for most people, completely different. What was like your mindset that you've had from, stepping into this role of litigation and criminal defense and civil litigation to, I guess, uh, transitioning and taking that leap of faith. What was that mindset like? What were some of the things that you were afraid of? What were some of the things that you weren't so sure of? of? And how did it end up, you think, you know, you manifesting the Colger Law Firm? Well, my mindset was uh, self-care. Doing litigation in the civil arena in New Jersey, again, if people are familiar, my, my territory was from Ocean and Monmouth County, New Jersey, all the way down to Cape May County. So any given day, I would drive an hour and a half or less um, in order to, to litigate, to go to court, to conduct depositions and hearings in an area in which I was not passionate about at all. So when you are sitting in your car on your way to work and you're crying, I think that's a big indicator that (laughs) this is not for you. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I only took these jobs because this is what was available, um, I had to get out. I attempted the law firm probably in about 2017, and I went out on my own. I was taking some part-time jobs, uh, helping with other people with litigation, but I realized in doing that, I had no time for my own firm and I was unhappy. Uh, And I was also scared. Everybody told me not to do it. Mm -hmm. When I would appear at depositions with other attorneys and they are like, hey, where are you now? What are you doing? And I would say, oh, I'm opening my own law firm. It's like, oh, don't do it. And I'm looking at them like, well, you have your own law firm, so why should I not do it? Mm -hmm. So, again, I I actually went back to a full-time job, was miserable, and said, you know what? This is the time to do it. There's no other time. I got to go, and I got to make myself happy. And I have to help people because although when I was a criminal defense attorney, I was helping the indigent population. And that was helpful for them working in civil litigation for the big firms, for the insurance companies. I didn't feel like what I did on a daily basis uh, mattered to my community. I was just helping keep money in these large corporations' pockets. And that Mm. did not rest well with me. Mm. Got it. Got it. Well, passion fulfillment is always important. And that's, I guess that would be one of the reasons why you are such a catalyst for this show, because that's like the big main reason why, you know, I moved to have episode after episode of the million dollar mind is just to help people identify their passions and attracting those opportunities, which uh, I guess we can kind of uh, work a little bit backwards because this question does typically come up towards the end, but I, I would like to know, like, how did you, of course you were so one, I have so many questions, right? So, cause you said so much there. One is like, what were some of the things that people were saying, these lawyers and these attorneys that have their own firms, why are they saying that you shouldn't do it? And then also, how did you keep your mind open to the, you know, uh, to the opportunity, the right opportunity to finally jump in and do it anyway? Okay. So to answer your first question, Um, And not to offend anybody or any of your listeners, I am an African-American woman, and most of these attorneys that told me not to do it were white men. And I actually found it offensive because, again, if you can do it, why can I not do it? I never met 
a white female attorney that said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a little crazy. Uh, what was the second question again? The second one was more so, you know, you dealing with the doubt at first and you dealing with the naysayers. What stuck out to you as the timing like, oh, this is the time now that I need to take this leap of faith. We know you took the leap of faith, but how did it reveal itself to you? Um, In my mental health, in my health in general, Mm -hmm. I was not happy. And that was manifesting. Like I told you, when you get in your car to go to work and you're crying, (laughs) that's an indication that you have to go. When you get home from work and all you can think about is I have four more hours of work to get ready for and do the same thing tomorrow. This doesn't make me happy. That was an indication that um, I had to go. Got it. So it was more so like the sick and tired of being sick and tired. Absolutely. Okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad that you found something that you were passionate about and you manifested it into now we're talking to the founder of Cobra Law Firm. So congratulations on pushing through on that. What would you say were some mistakes that you made starting out that in hindsight were very much essential for the growth that you've seen over the years? Starting out with your own business and law firm, unless you get lucky, the money comes in slowly. So Mm -hmm. because I had the experience as a trial attorney I was taking criminal cases, traffic court cases, uh, just anything that came into the door. But again, those were those things or those topics were not my passion. So I actually followed some law firm business coaches and business coaches in general online. And they said, number one, you have to follow your passion. Number two, you need to niche down. You need to discover who is your ideal client. And then at that point, you will be able to speak to them more freely. You'll be able to market them more freely. And also you'll have other ways um, that you can help them as opposed to, I just got you on a traffic ticket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I definitely want to touch on the niching down piece because we literally just had that conversation on the episode uh, prior was the whole thing of building your brand around your niche. So once you niche down, would you say all those things kind of really, would you say that the momentum picked up once you niche down or what were some things that kind of immediately changed once you identified your target, you know, audience? I would say the first thing that immediately changed was my ability to say no to the cases that I did not want to take because Mm -hmm. sometimes that payment again, was not worth my mental health. Um, So then I had to discover within being an entrepreneur, what were my passions? So in addition to owning a law firm, I've been an e-commerce seller for years. Uh, As I stated before, I went to Hampton University and Howard University School of Law. And as a result of loves for HBCUs, I developed an HBCU apparel company, which sold, which sells, currently sells on Amazon, Shopify, and Etsy. So that was the first niche that I thought about. I wanted to help other small businesses like me mm-hmm. um, get into that space because sometimes there is a barrier of entry because of lack of knowledge. Then I also serve as the vice president of First Philadelphia Preparatory Charter School. And with that position, I was able to network with other people in the charter school arenas. And for those who don't know, charter schools are very different from the public school system. And they also have their own assets, such as their trademarks and their their copyrights in the audience that they're interested in. So that was another niche. So we go from e-commerce, we we go to charter schools. Um, I told you while I was at Hampton, I did everything medium and especially the sports and radio. Um, and this summer, they actually started to pass the law that student athletes can monetize finally off of their name and their likenesses and their images. So this is brand new. 
Mm-hmm. So think about all of the student athletes that you know that had nicknames, their own brands, their own logos, that had YouTube channels with a billion visitors, but they were not allowed to make money off of that. Now they can. So I love education. I love students. I love business. I love sports. So that's how it all came together. So with niching down, um, I have to target each niche differently and speak to each niche in their language. But those are the niches that I like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also one thing that you said that stood out was just calling it, it identified also the opportunities in which you needed to say no. And I think starting out any business, you know, we, we jump into because we think it's what we want to do. And it's kind of in the broad area of what we want to do. We think that we have to take every opportunity, but sometimes it ends up either hurting our mental health or hurting our time, uh, our time freedom as well. When we can be spending that time doing things or reaching out to the right people just from niching down. So I appreciate you for, for sharing that. And that would, that's definitely a huge a uh, huge nugget, I would say that our millionaires could never hear too much of, of niching down and, and <laughs> focusing on, you know, uh, what's most important. So getting to, we, we talked a little bit about the why, why you do what you do. I definitely want to get into the what. Um, and the, the first what is, was caused by myself, uh, even myself. Why do you think that so many people, you know, when they start a business, put off trademarking their brands, uh, and how risky could it actually be not to uh, at the inception of the uh, the company or the, the business? I think there are two major reasons. One is lack of knowledge. The second is uh, expenses. People are like, oh, you know, I don't really have time for that right now. I need to get out here and sell these T-shirts or, you know, I need to sell my apparel. I need to focus on that right now. But in doing so, there are people that are opening businesses every day. Last year, due to the pandemic and folks being out of work, there was an uptick in trademark applications. So you as a business owner can open your business. Let's Mm -hmm. say you have a business called widgets.com. You have put that all over your social media. It's on your letterhead. It's on your t-shirts. It's on your notebooks. And you did not do the research. So number one, you find out that somebody else already owns that trademark and get hit with a cease and desist. So all of that money you spent in building your brand is now wasteful because somebody else may have already owned that trademark. Uh, The other portion, which I touched on towards the beginning of the interview, is um, being able to protect your brand. And it is far more costly to get into litigation over a trademark and a copyright than it is to actually file your trademark or your copyright and set up your business, business properly in the beginning. So those are the two reasons why I feel like people avoid it. And, you know, a lot of it is education. So for instance, Here's a great example. In the days and age on social media, people feel like, oh, this image is on Google. I can just take this image. I can put it up in my ad. You do that, and the image is owned by Getty Images. I use them as an example because they are notorious for this. They protect their brand very well. When they see somebody using their image, they will file a cease and desist and demand payment for that image, which could be into the thousands of dollars. So uh, one of the notorious cases was there was a celebrity, I'm not going to mention her name, but she's walking down the street. A photographer takes a picture of her. She feels like, well, it's a picture of me. Let me post it on social media. Even though the picture was of her, The picture belonged to, it was copywritten to the photographer. So this actually uh, went up the ranks in court because she didn't own the picture, nor did she have the permission to do so. Mm -hmm. And there are instances um, around this. Everything doesn't have to end up in litigation. Uh, If she would have wrote 
or contacted Getty Images or another company and asked for permission to use the picture, they could say yes. They could say no. They say they could say yes. I'll license the picture to you for the limited um, use on social media. You can purchase a full license to this picture, so you can use it as many times as you want. So again, these are all the options that are available to people who own or want to own trademarks, and the lack of knowledge amongst entrepreneurs and small business owners is what gets them in trouble. Wow. I had no idea about that. Um, the, the, the Getty images example, I feel like that even happened. Uh, not the, the, the other part of it, but I've seen a photo of me on Getty images. I mean, I haven't because it had Getty images plastered right on the side of it. I didn't use it, but I was very tempted to, you know, do something like post it on social media or, put it on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, I had, I had no idea that those could be the, the, the consequences, the consequences. Of, of doing something like that. Absolutely. Wow. And I would suggest for you, you know, contact and get Getty images and say, Hey, this is a picture of me. I would like to use it. Let's come to some sort of agreement. Mm. Wow. Well, I hope the millionaires hear that and, and double here because they, they don't want to make that mistake. And we, we talked about the, um we talked about the reasons why people put it off and they don't do it uh and a lot of it was just a lack of knowledge and education what are some other common misconceptions that you hear most people have or or saying about trademarks what they are what they may be or or so forth and so on i'm going to be honest those are the top two mm. i think most people have a general knowledge of trademarks So they know the Nike brand, they know the Pepsi brand. So most people know what they are, but a lot of times they don't associate the ownership of small businesses, of their brand, their use on social media. Um, So I I go back to lack of knowledge. Mm, Okay. And are copyrights and trademarks one and the same? Is one more powerful over the other? I, I no. say that <laughs> they're not one of the same. Um, so there is uh, the copy, the U.S. Copyright Office, which is copyright.gov. Mm-hmm. And when you register a copyright, that is for your, your works that you have put in a tangible medium. So if you write a book, you write a song, you write a score, um, you have a, a sculpture that's in a tangible medium, all of those can be registered with the copyright office and the the barrier of entry to obtain your copyright is is less than it is to obtain your trademark um so that's something i don't think anybody knows about as well they think both of these are very expensive the trademark is either your name your name of your business your uh your thing that you came up with <laughs> And there's a difference between word marks and design marks. So, so a design mark would be that logo. So I think back to when kids were in school, it would just doodle in their notebooks or if they, this was illegal, but had like their graffiti symbol. That was a symbol or that was a doodle that was associated with that person, what they did, what they sold. And that's what can be trademarked. Okay, so, so what what I'm hearing is copyrights is more so like tangible works, like as you mentioned, books and things of that nature. But the trademark is more so concepts or visual, it's more so, visuals. It, it's yeah, it's it's the words and it's the symbols. So, for instance, filing a word mark, and I'm trying not to get too technical, but mm-hmm. let's just say you file the name of your business. I'll use widgets, you know, ink again. That's one trademark. Yeah. So now you are protected when other people use widgets, ink. But you might want to go further and then get a design mark for for the graphic that you have for widgets, ink. So therefore, mm-hmm. you're protected by people using your words, and you're protected by people using your graphic. Got it. Okay. That that makes more sense. 
And what are some of the guarantees that uh, that come with, you know, getting trademarks? Because is there software or like when you, of course, have these things, how do you even identify if somebody is like sneaking around and use it? What if it takes you five years to realize somebody's been using images of you or things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- is it often that that can go that far undetected? I mean, what kind of guarantees come with, you know, trademarking? So there is not a guarantee that once you register your trademark, you're protected. So you do have to monitor it. So Mm -hmm. some people monitor on their own, just searching social media. Some hire attorneys such as I to monitor it because we do use software. Some people hire a monitoring company. They might not be attorneys, um, but they hire them to use this special software. So I'll tell a personal story. Um, This is before I got into the trademark arena. I was selling on on Etsy and I knew that I could not use uh, the marks uh, or the names of the HBCU. I knew that. So for instance, at Hampton, our mascot was the pirate. So I searched the trademark office and pirate pride was not taken. Uh, so that's what I used on my apparel. But in the description, I said Hampton University Pirate Pride. They have a company that's out there that searches the internet for this. And most often, if they're not Getty Images, <laughs> most often people will say, hey, I see that you're using this mark. This is our registered trademark. You might not have done it on purpose. You you probably didn't know, but can you take it down? That's mm-hmm. the first like nice step. Second step is if these marks are on social media, you can file a complaint on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, uh, to take down anything that has been trademarked or registered. Uh, the other step is the formal cease and desist. And the other step is litigation. So uh, with copyrights, as soon as you put something in a tangible medium, you own that copyright. So as soon as you write a speech, as soon as you put together a workbook for your class, as soon as you put together a curriculum, you are the owner of that copyright and you can ask people not to use it. But when you take that extra step, and register it with the U.S. Copyright Office, you now have registered ownership and you are entitled to approximately $150,000 in damages in court mm-hmm. um, if somebody infringes upon your copyright. Uh, with trademarks, a lot of times there's a battle as to, well, who used it first and who registered it first. Mm-hmm. But again, it gives you standing and um, it gives you standing in federal and or state court when somebody uses your mark. So people frequently ask, um, well, can I get what's called the poor man's trademark? You know, I heard that if I write something and I mail it to myself, um, that will grant me the trademark. That's not true. You don't need to do that. As soon as you take the picture, you are the trademark owner. As soon as you write, not sorry, as soon as you take the picture, you are the copyright owner. As soon as you write the speech or develop the notebook, you are the copyright owner. But you need to take the, the step to register. Because mm-hmm. registering is the difference of being able to um, be compensated for, as you mentioned, damages and things of that nature. That's correct. Got it. Got it. Well, I appreciate you clearing that up. And um, I guess what are some uh, when do you advise people to trademark their brand, if not at its birth or is it or is it at the birth? If that's you know possible, it's it's at the birth. Um, so one of the services that I offer and one of the services is that are included in a course that I'm going to be offering is doing your business name search, doing your trademark search, which I call a trademark audit, doing your copyright search. 
So you want to research all of these things before you register them with the state. Um, and if you go to an intellectual property attorney, they will usually advise that you do what's called a comprehensive search to go out into the world in the World Wide Web and check all social media, check all the business names that have been registered to figure out if it's been taken first. Because more often than not, somebody will develop their brand, their logo. Again, they're using it. Um, didn't feel the need or didn't know that they needed you know, to trademark it. And then somebody will hit them with an infringement suit. So now you've lost all the money that you invested in your apparel, in, in your social media. You got to take it down. And then you have to start the process again. And then you might also um, be hit with infringement charges and penalties and fines mm-hmm. and attorney's fees. Well, so I, could, I, <laughs> I suggest it at the beginning. Yeah, because I was saying, I know I don't, and I can almost guarantee anybody listening to this just cringed at the thought of starting over after, you know, maybe buying a bulk of merchandise. Yeah. You know, maybe even selling a couple or, you know, Mm -hmm. investing in somebody to make a website for them, the whole nine to have to start over, you know, and, you know, now have to throw away or get rid of the merchandise that you've already invested in. That definitely would be a huge, huge down uh, that that could make somebody want to not even do the process all over again itself. So uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that and kind of warning us of these things. I guess the next the the million dollar question is, you know, once once your brand is trademark, uh, how can you make money from it? Besides, I mean, is there other ways to make money from it besides waiting for someone to infringe on the trademark and uh, seeking that compensation? No, you can. Um, again, lack of knowledge. Uh, you can license your mark. Mm-hmm. So say somebody um, wants to come to you and use, you know, can I use widgets.com? You can say, yeah, you can use it at this price. Um, for those who, who shop online, so, uh, especially shopping on Etsy, again, I'm a crafter, so I come across, across this a lot. You have to read the fine print because sometimes they will say, you can use this image for personal use, but if you use it for commercial use, i.e. you're going to sell it to, you know, 50 people or more, then you have to purchase license. So photographers, this is is huge for photographers. Oftentimes they lend their licenses so other websites can use it. So again, a lot of people think, oh, this, this image is on a website. I could just get it off of Google Images and use it. No, that's not true. Sometimes you might have to, to contact that photographer and the permission to use it can be free or you can purchase the license. Or once your brand becomes big, and I know that uh, people have heard this, of uh, folks who have built a brand and then they sold it. Um, you can sell that. And then another aspect of it that I'm sure you would probably be interested in is that that trademark registration, that copyright registration, if you get a patent registration, I'm not a patent attorney, so I don't go too far into that, but that is property of you or your company. It can be monetized, and then it can be passed down through your family as generational wealth, if you monetize it well. Mm, Wow. Wow, that is, that is very interesting, and you must know me very well because that is something that I that I will be interested in. <laughs> Anything that says generational and wealth, you put those two words together, you can count me in. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked a little bit about this as far as your niching down, but you know, talking, you know, getting a little bit deeper into it. Where and what you do now currently did you find your passion? What kind of drives you and motivates you to every day you wake up you just can't wait to go after and get it for me it's helping and assisting people um so again the biggest barrier of entry is not having the knowledge so i do try to share the knowledge that i have on social media through through blog posts through the newsletter 
Um, I want to pick up on the webinars. Again, I'm launching a course in a few days. Um, the course is how to launch your LLC in three weeks. It's an interactive course. It's six sessions with me, two hours a session. I walk you through um, your idea, your trademark search, your copyright search, your business search, filing all of your documents that you're supposed to file with the state, obtaining your EIN, getting all of your LLC documents together that include your articles of formation, your operations agreement, and I throw in some extra contracts that entrepreneurs really need to, to, to have. And the purpose of launching this course is, as you were asking me, should people do this at the beginning or the end, or when should they start this process? They should start it at the beginning. And because folks don't know about that, that's why I wanted to teach them. In addition to that, knowledge is power. So you can hire somebody, you can hire me <laughs> to, to form your LLC, but in this course, you're going to learn um, how to do it, why the definitions behind it. And then again, you can go out and help your community, you know, form their LLC. You can help your student who, or not your student, your child who is now in college and has a huge following launch his or her LLC that they can register their copyrights and trademarks under, and they can have their contracts under. So my motivation is, is helping people. Well, anytime you do things with the motivation to help people, it's like, <laughs> it's like the hand. So I did another episode, kind of two hands that we do things with. We, we have our gift and your gift is being very knowledgeable on the things that we've talked about today, branding, trademarking, you know, protecting yourself and your brand. Uh, so we have two two hands. It's like the hand of greed and the hand of purpose, you know, doing things for the dollar and doing things for people. And whenever you do things for people, as you mentioned, it's like it's going to continuously bring more opportunities to help others. And you don't end up chasing the dollar. The dollar ends up chasing you. You end up attracting it. So uh, that that's a very um, good aspect or good characteristics that most of us need to have is just doing things for the thought of helping others and you know breaking generational curses and not perpetuating the lack of knowledge that we have about certain topics so i appreciate you and uh just want to give you a big round of a snap for just all the time <laughs> and effort you. that you've put into you know building uh building what you've built and kind of just um before we switch gears i do want to kind of ask you some of the key steps that we can take i know you kind of trickled them here and there but if you mm -hmm. could put in like a, a, a action steps a list of action steps that a millionaire could put out right now and they could close this laptop where they can turn off the podcast and get going what are some action steps that we could take today to get us a little bit closer to the goal of protecting ourselves so number one businesses should be registered with their state. So you can go to your state's website, go to the secretary of state, there will be a business name search. Search for all the potential names of your business. Um, that's something that you can do on your own. Again, you can do a Google search, um, but for the deeper searches, you, know, you can hire somebody to do that search for you. But Definitely looking at that on your own. You can file your EIN either through an attorney or you can do it on your own. And again, these are the things that I teach in the course, but you can do that today. So a lot of, a lot of times people, especially small businesses, they start their business, they're commingling their personal funds and their business funds, but they really need to be, you know, have their business separate. And it helps when you have that EIN number. Um, you can open a business bank account. You can open a business savings account uh, with that number. You can apply for other licenses with that number um, because it's keeping track of your business taxes. So I, those would be the top steps that I would suggest to people that they can do tomorrow or tonight. Awesome. Or tonight. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and it all sounds 
very introductory. Of course, the later steps will be to to get with someone like you or you <laughs> to 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 help out with the um the, the trademarking and things like that. Um, so switching gears just a little bit, uh, this segment is a segment that I like to call rapid fire. And sure. I have um five random questions that I'll ask you, and it's not meant to overthink. Again, it's meant to have fun, be brief, and be brilliant. Uh, but this segment is sponsored by Pod Deck. So these five random questions, I have no idea what, what they are. They kind of just shuffled around. But okay. It's meant for us to have fun. The first one is. What is your worst roommate or house guest story? Ah, okay, worst roommate. Give me a second. My worst roommate story was when I was in college. I lived on a campus in which the females lived on one side of the campus. The guys lived on the other side of the campus. And there was one co-ed dorm in the middle of campus. It was more so on the guy's side. And my roommate would frequently bring in her boyfriend without my permission. So I'm coming home from a long day. And, and, and this dude is over here sitting on my bed. That's my worst story. Mm. She got kicked out of the room and, you know, moved to another dorm, by the way. Nothing that had to do with me. I didn't snitch. <laughs> okay the <laughs> disclaimer makes me feel otherwise <laughs> <laughs> all right what's the funniest thing you've seen a kid do recently oh let me think there's not a lot that stand out in my mind i guess the biggest things for me halloween just passed so just their their costumes for Halloween were funny to me. I love it every year. I ask my friends on social to post their kids. So those are probably the funniest costumes and their excitement over Halloween. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. It's like kids do funny things so often. Naturally, that it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just really hard to kind of think of, you know, one that stands out like that. All right. If you were invisible for a day, what would you do? I was invisible for a day. Just spy on everybody I wanted to spy on. Just spy on people. <laughs> well, all right, so because a... I want to gain, I want to gain knowledge. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a big knowledge-based person, so I would enter rooms that I normally would not be allowed in. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. I definitely would do the same. <laughs> Who or where? I mean, this is kind of similar as to the last question, but who or where would you haunt if you were a ghost? Our ghost. I'd probably haunt Oprah just again to see what she does. She's pretty open, but I know she has some secrets that I want to know about. Okay. So would you, so would that be your person that you would kind of enter the room if you were invisible? But when I think of, I guess, Haunting doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, I'm going to scare you type of thing. It could yeah, be I would enter the room if I was invisible. Like, what are you and Gail talking about? What do you talk about <laughs> these business meetings? How did you make all this money? All right. What is the, this is the last one. And this is, what is something that you hate, but you wished you loved? That, that might be my favorite one. Oh, my goodness. That I hate. I wish I loved. This one's a struggle. Um, driving. I hate driving. Uber, oh, really? and, Uber and Lyft were the best things exist that existed. I mean, I, I like driving when I was younger. Um, now I find it to be a waste of time. But there's so many people that say driving for them is very therapeutic. They just want to hop in the car and go. I, I don't have that desire. Mm. That's, so it would be I nice because it's it helps mental health if that's something that you're into. Yeah, that that is definitely me. I I, I like I like driving. I mean, even mm-hmm. when I'm not driving my car, I, I find myself still driving my wife's car, and we're both going to like she. It's like I'm always the driver. It's like no way around <laughs> it. I'm always the driver. I, I volunteer myself. It mm-hmm. kind of is my way to kind of just just be one with myself, you know, in my thoughts. Sometimes I don't even talk in the car, even if there are other people. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking part of Rapid Fire. Uh, as we wrap things up, I want to say thank you again to, you know, for you taking time out of your evening to join us and giving our millionaires a little bit something to think about and, you know, to give a lot more in-depth thought into something that we've been probably putting in the back of our minds for who knows how long. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, as we're switching gears, I do want to ask you this question. That I love asking every single guest for season three, at least, and that is to define what self-love is and, and what self-love means to you. So for me, self-love is self-care. Again, I talked earlier in the session about, you know, mental health and physical health being impacted because I was doing something that I did not love. So I think that taking the effort to care for yourself, not only makes you feel good, but it puts you in a position to love on your family, to love on your friends, love on your community, love on your employees. Because if you don't have that inside of yourself, you don't have that to give to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was reading a, I think this is in the five love languages uh, book that I've read. And it's, they, they mentioned something about a love tank and like, we all have this love tank and mm -hmm. sometimes we pour into our own love tank or our partners pour into our love tank. But if that love tank is empty, as you mentioned, it becomes a lot harder to pour into the relationships, pour into the people that you care about, pour into the hobbies that you love, the passion that you love. It's hard to take care of those things if your love tank is always empty. So to your point, I definitely agree that self-love is being able to identify and when that's that love tank is being drained and identifying the best way to fill it back up when you need to. All right. Um, so with that being said, if you could give yourself, let's say you walking down the street, you see 18 year old Corinne, what would be some advice you would give yourself today? Uh, follow your passion. You know, follow your passion. Don't do what other people tell you to do. Don't, don't take the job because of the money. And I know 18 year olds don't believe that, but mm -hmm. if you're making, if you're making six figures and you're miserable, but you had the option of taking a job that followed your passion, coming out of undergrad, maybe making 35, it's no telling where your salary would go, where your mental health would go, where your happiness in life would go, because you would not have a problem doing the works to get you there because you love it. So it's no longer work. It's a passion. It's a gift. Um, so definitely, definitely follow your passion. 1000%. I would even second that and go ahead and give that same advice to 18 year old Q. <laughs> that is great <laughs> advice. Um, so if you, um, it, now is a great time. I want to make sure I leave you the space to, you know, plug yourself in, tell us a little bit more about where our guests can find you, um, what special projects you may have coming up. I know you mentioned your course that is launching very soon. If you can tell us a little, little bit more information about that, that'd be awesome. But now is definitely the time to, you know, tell us a little bit more. Absolutely. So you can find me on my website, which is cogerlawfirm.com. That is C-O. G-E-R lawfirm.com. That is the main source. Um, I can be found on all, all social media by either Coger Law or Coger Law Firm. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, my, my YouTube subscribers are low, but that is something that I want to pick up in 2022 because it is a great medium to, to have these conversations, to host these workshops, and to give out this information. Uh, the, the, the course that I talked about, how to successfully launch your LLC in three weeks, uh, if you do all of the steps, it will be launched in three weeks. Uh, it's going to drop in January, but the sale is dropping on Black Friday. Um, Again, if you're an entrepreneur and your business is not registered, if you haven't done any trademark searches, any copyright searches, this is the, this is the course for you. It's an investment in you and your future. Um, and lastly, um, some people don't want to do all of this by themselves. 
So everything that I talked about are services that my firm offers. And we also offer a subscription service where you can have our firm um, on your payroll essentially monthly. And we offer certain services a month. So you might get, you know, five cease and desist letters or for contract reviews. It all depends on the type of package that, um, that is negotiated. However, this is one of my favorite services because again, I like to be proactive with my clients and do things ahead of time with them to prevent them from facing trouble in the future. Nice, nice. And thank you so much again for joining us. And just to double check, they can find um the the information about the course and catch that black friday sale on kogalawfirm.com or is that actually if they go to kogalawfirm.com sign up for the newsletter that's where they will find it because the sales page is not even dropping until black friday so definitely go to the website sign up for the newsletter and you'll be on there for the course coolio coolio well you heard it here millionaires and again i want to say thank you so much corinne for joining us tonight and just being such a catalyst and in dropping a lot of huge gems that were dropped today, things that I'm definitely going to, you know, make sure I'm applying and being very proactive myself and taking care of those things as I wish my millionaires would too. And as always millionaires, I'm super thankful to have you all a part of the show week in week out. As I always mentioned, thanks in advance for becoming the change changes that you're bound to become, especially if you apply the principles you've heard today. Now, if you are interested in real estate investing, but you have little time or money to fully jump in, we just launched the side hustle accelerator, which is a 12 week with a done for you experience to help you get huge profits in real estate transactions without even taking ownership of the property. To learn more about how you can get your first 10K deal in 90 days, visit www.kaispeaks.com slash academy. But for more information, you can learn more definitely through the link in the show notes for both that course and learning how to get your LLC set up in three weeks with Koger Law Firm. Now, just in case you didn't know, I'm your guy, Kai Speaks, and you just heard it from Corinne Koger on ways to build and protect your brand and the fallacies of branding. Just remember to keep focused, build momentum and drive results so you can live abundantly. Hey guys, so thanks to you all, the Million Dollar Mind podcast has went global. The number one passion and attraction podcast in the world right now with huge support from the UK, Ireland, France, Belgium, Tanzania, and of course, the United States. With this accomplishment, we are getting bigger and better than ever. Now that said, we are soon incorporating video production and YouTube platform to the show so you guys can witness the podcast in full effect. You can now become a supporter of the Million Dollar Mind podcast by visiting the link in the description below. Share your support with me via email and you will receive a free gift. Tis the season to give. Peace.